Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, hello, Crossing Church. How are you doing today? You doing all right? I'm so thankful to be in the house of God with the people of the Lord. And uh, it's just incredible. Uh, All of our locations were filling up. Uh, at 48th Street, we ha- we opened up Flynn Stadium. We're parking there again. God's just doing great and incredible things. And let's, give it, let's just give him a shout out for his faithfulness. Would you do that with me? God is a faithful God. Amen. He is. Uh, we are celebrating along with Keokuk. It's their seventh anniversary this weekend. God's been faithful to Keokuk. By the way, they're killing it. They're just killing it up there. There's incredible, incredible stuff going on. We want to welcome all of our locations, all uh, all of our locations across this region. So thankful for each and every one of you. Uh, last week we broke 5,000 in-person attendance. That's awesome. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what God's going to do, but who knows? I mean, it could be 6,000 this week, and I'm not looking for 80 or 90 percent. I'm looking for 120, 130 percent. Because I think God is going to do something incredible. You know, we talked a lot over the last year about the surge, you know, COVID and the surge. Well, there may have been a COVID surge, but there's going to be a church surge and a Christ surge. And that's coming. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I mean, it's been one year and uh, we're coming back stronger than ever. And I praise God for that. That's because of what he's doing, not because of what we're doing. So uh, we're in the last of this series, uh, New Year, New You, and uh, getting ready for a new series, 360 Jesus. That'll culminate on Easter. So I'm really excited about what's coming, but I'm especially excited about what I get to share with you today because it is very, very close to my heart. And I think really it's something that we need to understand a lot better than we might understand right now. Ever since I became serious about my relationship uh, to Jesus Christ, I have viewed that my life is on mission. Now, I'm not always great with that mission. Sometimes I completely fail in that mission. I'm not trying to say I do it well, but I know something about my life now, that my life is on mission for Jesus. And there was a time when it wasn't that way in my life. And let me tell you how I viewed it. There was a time when I saw my faith as part of my life, just a part of my life. I saw it more as an enhancement to my life, a component of my life. So when did that change for me? What made the difference that shifted my understanding from my faith being a part of my life to the point of my life? That's the thing that I wanna challenge all of you with today. Where are you in this walk of faith? Is it a part of your life or is it the point of your life? And where is that place where that change happens? Well, I'll tell you where it happened for me, and it was at my calling. Now, that word is kind of a Bible word, kind of a religious word, and there's kind of insiders and outsiders when it comes to do I understand what this idea of calling means. And by the time we're done together today, I think you're going to have a much better understanding of what I mean when I say that, because it is a central word and a central concept in God's word. 
And so I want to describe it. What is that? What is calling? Well, every single one of us has a calling on our lives. Whether it's been discovered or undiscovered, we all have a calling on our lives. As a matter of fact, we have more than one calling and we have more than one type of calling. But before we talk about you and me, what I want to do is spend some time with probably the greatest story of calling in the Bible, and that's the calling of Moses. Now, Exodus chapter 2 in your Old Testament records this incredible story of Moses, how he was this one Hebrew boy that was saved from an Egyptian genocide. Literally, the king of Egypt declared that all these children, two and under, be murdered. And uh, Moses was spared. He did this for, to, to reduce the amount of the enslaved Hebrew people in Egypt. And the story records how his mother, after she gave birth to him, hid him in their home. And when that was no longer possible, she made a basket and she waterproofed this basket and put her infant child in this basket and let him loose in the Nile River, praying that God would intervene in some miraculous way. What we continue to read about is how the king's daughter uh, found him while she was bathing in the Nile River, considered him a gift from the gods and took him into her home and raised him as part of the family and a prince of Egypt. Now, there is no biblical record of what Moses did in his first 40 years of life, although Hollywood and Disney really wrote a great story for him. And you can, you can see that in the Ten Commandments. You can see that in the Prince of Egypt. But actually, they're just writing out of their own imagination because this does not exist in the Bible. They make him out to be some great young man who was completely unaware of his heritage, who was raised as a brother to the future Pharaoh of Egypt. However, the Bible paints a very, very different picture. It gives every indication that he actually did know from the beginning that he had a Hebrew heritage and actually sought to defend that heritage by murdering an Egyptian who was mistreating a Hebrew slave. He goes on to bury him in the sand. So uh, sounds to me like he's a little more of a killer than a deliverer at the age of 40. Now, after he does this, after he does this deed, uh, he tries to stop an argument between two Hebrews, and then they accuse him of being a murderer. He finds out that Pharaoh knows that he's done it, and there's a death sentence on him. So in order to escape execution, he runs for his life into the wilderness, particularly a place called Midian, modern-day southern Jordan, and that's where he lives for the next 40 years of his life. Completely different life. He lives as a shepherd, he has a wife, he has children, and he lives that way in exile. Now, the moment that truly defines Moses happens in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. So let's read that together. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb. Another name for Horeb is Sinai. 
the mountain of God. And there an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, what we all would have thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God, think of this, God's own voice. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, uh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Good call. But this was his calling. This was the calling of Moses. Now, some of you right now are completely turning me off. I'll tell you why. Because you're going, well, that lets me out. Lets me out of this whole calling thing. Haven't been any burning bushes in my yard lately that are burning but not consumed. I don't need to worry about this. And I'll tell you why we do that. We do that because we tend to look for the specific calls of God. And if we haven't gotten one of these specific calls, then we haven't been called, or at least that's what we think. But specific calls of God happen inside the context of living a called life. Now, I want to describe that to you. And here's my first point. So this applies to all of us. If he has saved you, he has called you. If Jesus has saved you, then he has called you. Look what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. He has saved us and called us. You see those things are right together. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Those two things right together. When he saved you, he called you. Let's go a little deeper. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter writes, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who, what? Called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now there's some explanation there, that when when you were saved, you were called. Whether you realize it or not, understand it or not, when you were saved, you were called, if you have been. If you haven't been, God is calling you right now. You haven't responded to that call, but God is calling you. Not only has he saved you to call you, he specifically called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So what it does is it describes your life before Jesus and describes your life after that salvation you find in Jesus, out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Now, now think about that. I mean, it's a pretty simple illustration. If you're in darkness, what do you see? Well, you don't see, because you're in darkness, right? You don't perceive, you don't understand, because you're in darkness. But when you are in the wonderful light, 
that comes from being in relationship with Jesus, then you do see, you do perceive, you do understand. So when you have been saved, you've been called, and you've been called out of darkness and into light. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So we've all received a calling, so we're to live a certain kind of way, a certain kind of life because of that calling. Let's find out what it is. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now this is describing the life we live, a called life. So when we were saved, we were called. We were called out of darkness into light, God's wonderful light, and we are called into a lifestyle. We're not called to just make a decision. We're called to a new lifestyle. We were called when we came to Jesus, and what this does, this calling, it creates a context. It creates a context, a backdrop in your life, and it's inside of that backdrop where God will give you those specific calls, okay? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That means that God has prepared specific divine appointments for each one of us, and when he creates those for you, he has those before you, he calls you into them. And those are the specific calls of God. A specific call of God can be a conversation. It can be a lunch. It can be a relationship, or it can be a whole lifetime. These are the specific calls of God. And let me tell you something. You were made for this. You were put together by God for this. You were constructed by God to receive these callings. And it is the place, it is the place where you will find your highest purpose and your greatest satisfaction. I am not lying to you. It is where you'll find your highest purpose and your greatest satisfaction. If you want to experience the power of God in your life, this is where it happens because the power of God exclusively flows through the will of God. Okay? So if we are living inside the will of God, his power will be revealed in that. And then if we're living inside of our calling, we'll be ready to hear him because we're living in his light. We'll be able to hear him in those specific calls. My second point is this. God has a plan for your life. If he saved you, he called you. Point number two, he's got a plan. A plan for your life. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, the prophet writes, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I want us to circle back to a verse that I used just a little while ago, 2 Timothy 1.9. I want to concentrate not, not on the first part of the verse, but the second part. 
He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Listen, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. It means that God created you with a plan and a purpose. And he, 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 calls you, he calls you to that from before the beginning of time. He made you that way. Moses had a call on his life from before he was born. God had a plan for him. And listen to me, God has a plan for you. It's a general plan and a specific plan. A general one and a specific one. Now, how are we gonna respond to that? Well, I can tell you how human beings respond to God's calling. You can reject that plan, you can ruin that plan, you can reduce that plan. You know what God can do with it? He can renew it. He can restore it. He can redirect it. He can also remove it. Now here's the dynamic between God and us. You have power over your response to God's plan. God will put his plan in front of you and you have power on whether or not you're going to say yes or no. But as far as God's plans are concerned, you can't change them. All you can do is remove yourself from it and all the blessings and all of the purposefulness that go with it. But God will always get accomplished what he wants to get accomplished. And we're gonna see those things actually play out in Moses' life and in his calling. Here's my next point. God has prepared you to execute that plan. He hasn't just called you, he's prepared you. Some of you are going, I don't know if I've been, yeah, you have. You are, you are prepared for his plan. Moses had to be prepared by God. And that process in Moses' life took years, decades, took a long time. All the raw material was there. I mean, God placed it in from before he was born, but shaping it into what would be necessary for God to use him, that's gonna take decades. You know, for all we know, God could have given Moses opportunities to be his deliverer when he was 40 years old. We don't know. He could have had that opportunity and rejected it, refused it, right? But we do know that Moses disqualified himself because of his sinful actions and the pride that he had, and it made him an exile for 40 years. And that's how many years, think about this, that's how many years it took God to produce the humility that Moses was going to need to answer God's call. That means this guy had a lot of pride. To deconstruct all this in Moses' life took 40 years. Think about this. Moses was 80, 80 years old, an octogenarian, when God said, I'm calling you. I mean, what do a lot of people say when they're 80 years old? It's like, I'm done, I'm tapped out. And God's going, I'm just getting started with you. You're 80 years old. Listen, 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. You know what that assumes? That you're not and that I'm not. And that's the truth. I'm not worthy of my calling. You're not worthy of your calling. 
but it's God who shapes you and works on you and stays patient with you so that you can become made worthy of this calling. And then it says, and that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. He will bring it to fruition. He will fill your life up with that purpose. God will make you worthy of his calling. And every moment of your life will become a preparation for God's call if you submit it to him. That's why we have to move away from God being a part of our life to being the point of our life. That makes sense. Here's my next point. When God calls you, it'll be so he can do something, not you. See, this is where we get all messed up. When God calls you, it's so that he can do something, not so that you can do something. We spend a lot of time asking God this. What is your will for my life, God? You know what the emphasis is on? My. We don't need to be saying, God, what is your will for my life? Because the emphasis is on us, not God. We need to be saying, what is your will? I just want to see where you're working and then go and join you there and let it end right there. God was delivering the people of Israel out of bondage, not Moses. God was doing that. Moses just got to be invited into that plan. God's specific calls are always about God's agenda and not ours. Now I hear a lot of people, especially ministers, by the way, especially ministers, using this Christianese language, and they'll say something like this, God has called us to this new ministry or out of this and into this uh, new thing or this new time. Have you heard that before? It doesn't have to be a minister, but ministers use it a lot. Everybody else that, you know, this is a Christian thing, they'll say, yeah, God's called us here and he's called us away from here. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm very skeptical of that. And you know why I am? Because many times it has an awful lot to do, more to do with our plans than God's plans. God called me to a better salary. Oh, if that were the truth. God called me to a higher standard of living. God called me to a warmer climate with more golf courses. God called me to be closer to my immediate family. God called me to pursue this new uh, opportunity that I want. And you know what? That's all about our plans, isn't it? And then we just want to put a God sticker on it, right? That is not how calling works. Let me, just, let me describe that to you. Abraham had no plans to leave home. And God said, I want you to go to a land I'll tell you about later. Just get up and pack and leave. And God, he didn't even get the benefit of go west or east or north. He just said, leave. And I'll tell you later where you're going. That didn't seem to be Abraham's agenda. He had no plans to leave home. Mary had no plans to get pregnant out of wedlock. Hey God, I'm just praying right now. 
would you please get me pregnant out of wedlock? I don't think anybody prays that prayer. And she certainly wouldn't, and it blew her life up. And yet that was God's divine plan for her life so that she could bring the Messiah into the world. Paul had no plans to be an evangelist. However, he did have plans to kill them. Isaiah had no plans to be God's voice to the king. And yet that's what God did in Isaiah 6. Who will I send and who will go for us, God said. And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. David had no plans to become king when he was tending his father's sheep. I had no plans to become a minister of the gospel. I was getting ready for my third year business at Indiana University. Moses had no plans to deliver a nation of Israel out of bondage. Those were all God's plans. Now I want to go deeper because here comes the truth. So make sure your seatbelt's on. Usually calling is very uncomfortable. God doesn't call you generally to comfort. He calls you away from it. It blows up your life, and it causes hard changes that you would rather avoid. It makes it hard for the people around you, at least initially, and it can really hurt important relationships. And when difficult times come, if you're pursuing your calling, when difficult times come, it'll make you wonder if you ever heard God right in the first place. It'll make you doubt yourself. I'm sure that Moses did. He doubted his calling. I mean, did I hear God right? I am 80 years old, for goodness sake. He was afraid. He was terrified of what God told him he was going to do. He didn't speak well. The Bible says, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. A lot of people think that Moses had a bad stutter. They didn't speak well. He was under a death sentence. So if I just go back to Egypt, they're going to execute me. And I've developed a comfortable life where I am right now. Why would I want to blow all that up? We don't think about how uncomfortable it was for Moses to say yes to God. And while we're thinking about that, when you think about all of the greatest hits of Moses, like all the great things that he did that are recorded in God's word, listen to this. We think about Moses delivering the plagues but we don't think about him living in the midst of them, do we? We think about him parting the Red Sea so that the children of Israel can go across on dry land, but we don't think about him standing in front of the sea before God parted it with the Egyptian army coming right up on his back. We think about him defeating the Egyptian army when the sea closed back up, but we don't think about him running from that army We think about him receiving the Ten Commandments by the hand of God, written with the finger of God, but we don't think about the fact that as soon as he got them, he saw what the people of Israel were doing and he shattered them into pieces. We don't think, we do think about him leading the nation out of bondage into the promised land, but we don't think about the constant amount of times that that nation rebelled against him, wanted to even kill him. We think about him getting them to the promised land, 
But we don't think about the fact that he was there 40 years. He was there at 80. And they got to the edge of the Jordan River. And they all said, we're too afraid to go across. There's giants in the land. We're going to be crushed like grasshoppers. And for the next 40 years, they had to wander in the wilderness, even though they were ready to take it 40 years earlier. 40 more years in the wilderness because of this obstinate people. So why do it? I bet some of you right now are going, if this is supposed to encourage me, Jerry, you're just missing the target here. Why would I want to follow the calling of the Lord when it's going to be this bad? Why would you subject yourself to the calling of God? I'll tell you why. Because God will complete what he calls you to do. He will complete it. And this is the spot. This is the sweet spot of your life. If you were to boil your life down, like what's the point of living? What's the point of breathing and existing? This is where your life receives its greatest purpose and its ultimate satisfaction because this is how God made you. This is what it's for. This is what your life, the gift of your life is actually for. Moses was able to complete what God called him to do. He delivered a ready people to the promised land. Now the people were called just like Moses was called. They were called to the promised land, but they rejected it, didn't they? They got to the edge of the Jordan River and they rejected it. Now that didn't change God's plan one bit. That nation was going to inherit it. It was just going to be their children who received it instead of them because they said no to God. They could have had 40 years in the land flowing with milk and honey. They just said no to God. I want you to think about that. When God calls you and you say no, when you say no, you don't realize what you're rejecting. You don't realize what's on the other side of that call. Not just the hard things, but the good things. You see, that nation of Israel, their burning bush was at the edge of that river. That was their moment when they could have said yes. They could have agreed with the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, who says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He will accomplish what he's called you to do. God always completes what he starts. That's why the Bible says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. I want you to challenge you today to invite Jesus to come out of being a part of your life and call, let him come into being the point of your life. Because when you do that, when you do that, you're going to experience what fulfillment in life was always supposed to be. It isn't going to be easy. Life isn't easy. But it's going to be what you were meant for, what you were designed for. And I know that that's a big ask. But this is what he's calling you to do. You and I, we have a destiny. And this is where you find it. But you're going to have to step out of your plans and you're going to have to step into his plans. And you know what God will do? He will take care of the rest. Amen? We're moving to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. 
It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.